Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How deep is your love? How deep is the ocean? How deep is the sea? And how deep is my love? How deep is your love? How deep is the ocean? How deep is the sea? Hi, man. Hey, how you doing? Let me get, let me get some. Uh, let me get a microphone in here, so it looks like I'm a Mr. Recording Podcast guy. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, I mean, we're about, what, three years into this Zoom technology business now. So, you know, you've got to have a mic if you want to be taken seriously look, in this game. If you want to look cool, yeah. So anyway, let me tell you about my life story. Is it connected or is it just there for the look? It's just for the look. <laughs> I, I trust you. You'll have uh, you'll, you'll get the audio for me. Yeah, I was going to say it sounded worse when you spoke into the mic. So it's just for <clears> look. That's fine, dude. Well, this is what trips me out about the difference in time zones is I was thinking on my way home, right? It's midnight here in the UK for context for people. It's pitch black, obviously it's freezing cold. There's frost everywhere. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get home in a minute. I've got my coat on indoors. I'm going to talk to Darren and where he is, it's going to be a sunny afternoon in California. It is. It's uh, four o'clock. I'm still technically working. Uh, I don't know if you can see, but uh, this is my workstation. I work at CAA, the booking agency. I do accounting, tour accounting, settlements. Who so knew? I know, I know what everyone is making. And so you can't obviously tell us figures, but who's making good money right now in the world? Any? Well, okay, you can just really uh, assume that any artist or band that's playing football stadiums is, is making really good money, or even hockey arenas. If you're playing the Roxy, you're making money, but it's not fuck you money. Mm-hmm. Some of these artists I'm working with, like Lady Gaga, uh, I, I was doing her books. Like, uh, it, she makes fuck you money. Like, but that's not a secret. Everyone knows when she plays the gigantic stadium and it's packed for two nights, she's walking out with, with a couple bucks in her pocket. So, do you talk about what you do for a job on your show? often is it known is it something that you put out there and share or is it more just something you do and then you're known publicly for you know being down the drummer i talk about it yeah but i don't go into great length i mean i i can't and not it's not a good business ethics to share numbers but i can say yeah i've, I've worked with lady gaga i've done kings of leon i've done jay cole the rapper i mean there's any number of of large acts that, that come across 
the CAA doors and and uh, but it's it, some of them are really easy, Maddie, and some of them are really hard. Some of them are complex because there's loans that got to be paid back. There's not just one commission structure. There's several. And some guys want to be paid immediately. Some guys don't care. Some guys are a pain in the ass and some guys aren't. Uh, so you just got to know, you know, when to prioritize things and where to put things and double, triple check your math before anything goes out. And, uh, or before you, God forbid, you put anything into a, a, an account, an escrow account. But um, I, I don't talk about it too, too much, but I love, I love it. I've always been a big fan of math. I'm a drummer. Makes sense. You know, yeah, but usually drummers time. are wild boys and you're a wild boy from it time to time. It took me a while though. It took me a while, but Matt, I can count to four. But then once I got the job as tour managing and getting into accounting, I, I'd learn, I did learn five and then that, I, then I'd learn six and seven, eight, Thousand nine million. And ten. So once I got to 10, I was all set. I was good. <laughs> once I got to 10, yeah. Well, I, I'm happy that you have security in this world and I'm presuming Hopefully I'm not presuming too much. Does that mean that this stage in your life, music for you is not a career? It's not a source of income. It is purely and 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 as it, as it should be, and you would love it to be for everybody, a passion. It's always going to be a passion, no matter how old I get, no matter, you know, how many years go off the calendar. I'm always going to want to play music and get involved and play shows and record and, and be in a band of some kind. But no, not like it was when I was in my, uh, you know, even in my like mid forties, like or or early forties or thirties or definitely twenties. When 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 you know when Goldfinger started, it was a career. It was like every day, all day, we were doing something. It was press or recording or touring or, I mean, fuck, it, it was nonstop. But then as time goes on, you get married, you you have a, a family and. And then, you know, other people have families and their careers start to take off. And then the touring kind of goes like this. And you, you see it in a lot of bands and in the bands that we came up with, you, you don't see them touring very much anymore. Like no effects are calling it a day. You, you, you don't see the Descendants playing very much. You don't, I don't remember the last time there was a rancid show. Uh, it just seems the, the, the Boston's are, are done. Like everyone just seems to be either breaking up or slowing way, way down. And that's just because we're getting older. It's that, but I would also like to say, without jumping in too much on a certain theme, having just seen Pennywise the other night and spent time with with Jim and with Fletcher, obviously, you know, Randy's your guys. While well, I got to say hello to Randy, we didn't spend a lot of time together, but I'm aware that there's tension between Fletcher and Jim, and that's no secret. And I've been chatting a lot recently to Mike from No Effects. We actually had three conversations, only one of which became a podcast because the other two was really just him talking very openly with me to the point where he was like, I don't want you to share any of this. So I stopped recording. But a lot of these bands, Boss Tones broke up. It, it for me, is evident that when you're in a band for 40 years, 30 years, 40 years, it is very hard to maintain healthy interpersonal relationships with other members. Because you start these bands when you're kids and when you're 18, 19, 16, whatever the age is, your commonality is the music that you make and you're in a similar place in your life. You come up together, then you go through success and the whirlwind of all of it. As you approach middle age, it's very hard to maintain that friendship with your colleague. And so that causes friction. It causes tension. It causes a lot of bands to break up, to fall out. That's a reality in this world, isn't it? And it's crazy that to me of all the bands that I know I can maybe pick with a hand, <laughs> the ones that are still best friends and still actually love each other, like genuinely love each other. I mean, they all love each other, but love being around each other still. Yeah. I think one of those bands that you mentioned that you can name on one hand would be the Deftones. You think so? I saw, yes, I saw the Deftones in Toronto not that long ago. And I, they put, Gino put me on the guest list and gave me a pass and they were amazing as they always are. And I go backstage and I finally get to the Deftones dressing room. And they're playing music in a boombox and they're all drinking beers and they're all saluting each other and high five and like, what a great show. And I'm in there and I'm having a couple of drinks and they're all like hugging each other and telling each other stories like they're brothers for an hour. And I walked out of there going, so that's what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that really surprises and makes me feel good to hear that about that band. Because, you know, sometimes if you don't know the people, you hear certain stories and 
you would maybe assume there's tension there too because of i guess stefan and chino and you know over the years some albums have been more guitar orientated than others and you know i think gossip and rumor mill feeds into it a lot but that warms my heart to hear that that they are one of those bands and i guess it does come across on stage because they're always awesome and they always look like they're having a great time up there but you're right a lot of bands don't get along um and you're right when when bands that have been doing it for 10 20 30 40 years there's going to be tensions and you mentioned jim and fletcher and there there's tensions with with every band that's why matt and I got some questions for you, by the way. So this isn't just all about Darren. We'll get uh, that. That's why being in punk rock karaoke with Greg Hudson, Randy Bradbury, Stanley Eddie Tatter from DI also jumps in on bass every now and again, is bliss, pure, unadulterated bliss. We talk every day. We take the piss out of each other. No one gets upset. We get together at shows and go backstage and, and tell stories about how much we hate our singers. Uh, <laughs> we just get along so well. We love each other. And I'm not trying to shit on singers. Okay. I'm not saying singers are the problem, but I'm saying singers are the problem. <laughs> LSD, isn't it? LSD. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a lead, lead singer syndrome. Drummers are assholes. Bass players are assholes. Fucking guitar players are assholes. We're all just a bunch of assholes trying to be less more asshole as we get along in life. And man, I can t- I can tell you, uh, I am not the same Darren Pfeiffer. I was even two short years ago, let alone five or let alone seven or 10. Like I just keep evolving and keep trying to get better. And I've been in therapy for years, not because I'm mental, but because I want to stay sane. I want to have the tools necessary to deal with my family, my, my wife, my daughter, my job, my friendships, my relationships, my own personal struggles that I've traumas I've had in the past. And the list goes on and on and on. And I love it. I would recommend it highly to anybody that wants to get stuff off their chest or has some stuff that they've never processed or dealt with. But in that journey, Matt, I've become a better person. I've become an absolute better person. And it's all because of my amazing therapist, Jules, who I love like, like a sister. Well, before we get to me, you touch on something there, which is important for me, I think, to get into with you, because I've had both Charlie Paulson and John Feldman on my show. And at the time I spoke to both of them, I think it was December 2019, I was on tour with them and Charlie was only freshly back in the band. And so I wanted to talk to them both about them burying the hatchet as a duo, the problems they had, uh, and then how they reconciled those differences. And the feedback that I got from both of them was that they'd both grown and evolved, as you're saying, and, and owned up to previous mistakes. And they got to a point where they sat down as friends and had a conversation where they both said, I did this wrong. I wish I'd have done this differently. And they they reached a point where they were friends again. And then the, the music and the, you know, the touring came as a result of that. Mm-hmm. But the, the conversations need to take place. Uh, and I know that you've been estranged from those guys for a while. And I know there was some difficulties and tensions with with John and yourself. Um, I'm not sure particularly about what was, you know, the issue with you and Charlie, but I do know that for a while there, and John even said this, it was you and Charlie against John almost. And John felt that and thought that. And and then when Charlie came back in, it seemed like then, you know, the void was between you and Charlie and you and John. Um, I would love to see just as a friend of all three of you, and an objective party. I would love to see you individually with John and with Charlie sit down and reconcile your differences just for your own sense of healing and closure, irregardless of whether that led to you being back in Goldfinger. But has that something that's ever been broached or attempted in recent times? I know that the band's manager, a new manager we've had, or they've had rather for a while, has really wanted that to happen. And I told him, I said, you know, if it happens, it happens. Don't break your back. I know you want us to get together and talk, but I think if it ever is going to happen, it's going to take a significant amount of time for all of us to kind of reconcile, not just John or Charlie, but me too, to, to reconcile and deal with the stuff that, that happened. And by the way, it, it, no one ever fucked anyone's girlfriend. No one took tens of thousands of dollars out of anyone's account or, 
there was any there was never any physical like i never fought john like there was it never got physical me and charlie had a couple scraps but we were just we're brothers uh it was a brother's brother and after the fight we like hugged each other and, and fell back in love like that but like it, 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 all the stuff that is kind of su- mostly superficial. There is a legal situation that happened once. Well, I'll just leave it at that between between myself and and the band and, and John and and uh, I tell you when that happened, I was a I was one hundred eighty degrees a different person than I am now. I was angry. I was bitter. Um, even though at that time, Matt, I wasn't entirely happy being in goldfinger it, charlie wasn't there i had no backup it was john you know coming down on me all the time for any number of things and i felt alone and uh but i i, I never gave up because i was loyal you know i was loyal to the band loyal to john his songs and and him but then once he kicked me out of the band for a, what i thought was a very frivolous reason i just snapped as a matter of fact, the night I got kicked out of the band, I didn't call my manager, Stephanie at the time, who's gone, and tell her. She found out a couple of days later and called me. It was like, why didn't you call me? I'm like, I just don't care anymore. But then the anger set in. The resentment set in. The animosity set in. And I had my family. I had my girlfriend. I had my lawyer called me and said, you have every right. You know, you're on, you're on some paperwork. You, you have every right to, to do this. Do it. And I, because of the anger and because of, uh, I was there in 2000, what was that? 15, you know, what was that seven years ago, almost eight years ago. Like, uh, I was a, a fucking lunatic back then. I was filled with fucking piss and vinegar and I was just angry. So looking back now in 2023, do I wish I didn't do it? Absolutely. Uh, I regret it. I, I I should have just calmed down and said, fuck it, fuck it, and fuck it. I don't care, fuck it. Like, the, the band doesn't even tour that much. Like, wh- whatever. Like, I, I'm still part of the legacy that is Goldfinger. I was, I'm part of that first phase. You know, the first record, the second record, the third record, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. All those tours, all those great tours that we did, and all the records, and all the videos, and all the insane Darren moments on stage that's all that's, that's me I, I i can't be taken away uh but this one little act I, I, it, because i'm not that guy anymore man like it, if i was in goldfinger now from then till now and john kicked me out i, I would just be like i gotta talk to my therapist about this and, and i'm sure she would have been like calm down who cares you'll find a band and not the end of the world you don't have cancer and i just would have eventually calmed down and uh and not did what i did so I don't regret it because I want to be in Goldfinger. I don't care. I regret it because I want to have a cup of coffee with John Feldman and Charlie Paulson. I, you know what? You asked, what's what, what's what, stopping what, that, though? What's stopping that? I reached out to John. I left him a voice message. It wasn't returned. In that voice message, I said, I'm sorry. I, for, I forgive you for anything you might have ever done to me. Uh, I hope that one day you can forgive me for any of my transgressions that I have done against you. I have no ill will towards you. This is when I was in, I, I started my therapy around this time, restarted my therapy at this time. And my therapist said, yeah, give John a call. He probably won't answer, but leave a message. And I said, I just forgive you. And I don't have any animosity. I have no regrets. I have no resentments. I have nothing. I, 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 as a matter of fact, I love you. And one day, I don't know when, down the line, we'll have a cup of coffee. And we'll uh, we'll probably laugh laugh about, about about all this. I tried to connect with Charlie after being told by several people that he was interested in having a cup of coffee and talking. Uh, I left him a couple of messages, and uh, and it, it hasn't happened yet. And I'm not fretting about it. If it happens, Matt, it happens. It would be great to have a cup of coffee and have us air our differences. And if they want to call me names, which they've done in the past when we've had our sit downs. And they want to dump on me, let it let it happen. But hopefully at the end, we can all hug, have a cigar, have a cup of coffee, and start telling some stories. Because we, the three of us have stories. You know, we. I'm sure Charlie remembers things I forgot and vice versa. And um, yeah, I, I think they're good people. And if it ever, I, I hope that one day we can get together at a coffee shop somewhere and just, uh, just clear the air. Uh, as far as Goldfinger, I don't, don't care. I mean, my, my musical itch is being scratched uh, with punk rock karaoke. 
with another band I'm in called the August Madness that, that's doing that's building up some momentum right now. And of course, all the session stuff I do uh, around town for, for some producer friends of mine. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't need to play like three or four Goldfinger shows to you know. If it, if it ever happened, great. But I really don't honestly don't care. I, I'm so happy right now with, with with my musical life. I'm happy with the person I am today. And I know that I offer. I, I'm going to have to make some amends to John at some point, hopefully. And Charlie as well, and I'm prepared. Awesome. Well, I hope, as I said, as a, a friend of all three of you, that you do bury that hatchet, and you know, maybe one day I'll be hosting a little round table with the three of you, and we can share those stories on stage on a cruise ship somewhere, and <laughs> record yeah, maybe it and put it out as a podcast. Maybe the original lineup of Goldfinger, which with uh, with Simon Williams, could be on one of the Flogging Molly cruises. Uh, because Simon, to me, if, if I was able to do Goldfinger again, nothing would make me happier than it, if it was with Simon Williams. Nothing against Kelly Lemieux, or who's in Buck Cherry, or uh, Mike Carrera, who is just a beautiful, beautiful soul of a human being. I know you know Mike. Yeah. He, he's the, like literally the nicest guy in punk rock after Steve Soto. Rest his, rest his soul. Um, but if... if Simon and me, Charlie and John were able to get on a stage and play some shows. I think people's head would, heads would explode and it would be a lot of fun. Well, with that first album anniversary coming up, maybe you got three years, right? till two, 2026. And then you can do the 30 year anniversary tour, the debut 30, album, bring it all back. But, I've just aged thing, you. Sorry, we, Darren. <laughs> if we did make amends, Matt, no, no, if we did make amends, it would, it would have to be, We'd have to do the billing as Oldfinger. Drop the G. It would have to. Come on. Like, we're just not kids anymore. Like, we're all in our mid-50s. Like, I, I, I'm not going to shit on John, but I think he's 55. Like, we're not kids. It's, it's, it's fully and completely Oldfinger at this point. All my favorite oh. bands are old now, dude. All of them. You know what's fucking scary, Matt, is... Uh, we mentioned no effects. You mentioned Pennywise, Descendants, Rancid, Bad Religion. In 10 years, and 10 years goes by pretty quick. 10 years, all those bands will be gone. Yep. I mean, maybe not Rancid. They're, they're a bit younger. But, uh, I mean, we're right on the edge of the big punk rock bands that we worship being gone. I mean, not to go morbid, but all I <laughs> But I all did. All I see now, and I've I've stepped back from this consciously because otherwise your whole social media wall risks becoming an obituary page. But I I think with the the death of Bowie, Prince, and Lemmy, it weirdly ushered in this time, and obviously we'd lost people of cultural significance before that for decades. But I feel like we're in this era now where every day. And it's not just old people, you know, like Terry Hall just before Christmas. It's like all of these icons from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and God forbid, you know, the 21st century are just dropping like flies every day. And it's only going to, you know, increase and, and, and get worse. So I've kind of just now made a pact with myself. All the bands that I love who are still out there. I'm out there to see as many of them whilst they're still going as possible, even if they're not as good as they were back in the day, just to see and hear those songs live one more time, because as you say, it ain't going to be forever that they're still out there doing it. So I think anybody who loves music needs to get out there, buy the ticket, see the show and see it while she can. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad. Hey, I, I've always wanted to ask you, man, like I, you do so much with, with life in the stocks and, you know, and you, you stoke the fire and, and your book, you got a couple books and, and you're, you're, I mean, you're just, you're going on cruises, you're going to shows, you're going to monster truck rallies, you're, you're going here, you're going there. Do you sleep? Like, how do you find the time to juggle all of these balls? <laughs> well, you know, it's like half 12 at night now when we're talking, I've just hosted a pub quiz tonight as well. And over the weekend, I was hosting some monster truck shows. And an actor friend asked me this, not to name drop, but um, Paddy Considine, a great British actor uh, who just played King Viserys in the new um, House of, 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 what's it called? House of, Dra House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones series. He said to me when we sat down to do this live Q&A, because I think I'd just done like 
a cruise and a tour and all these things back to back. And he was like, when do you sleep, Matt? Like, do you, do you ever get burnt <laughs> out? And I do occasionally. Uh, <laughs> but for me, what fuels me is being productive and being proactive and being creative and being busy because I'm a single guy because I don't have family because I don't have a partner. For me, my life is really enriched by the work relationships that become personal relationships become meaningful relationships and the act of, of doing and, and creating and traveling and performing. Cause I'm in my mid thirties. I still have that hunger for it. And I feel like, you know, whilst I am free and single, I want to maximize this time and do as much as possible and achieve as much as possible. And I have another friend who's got a great phrase, which is sleep when you're dead and rest is obviously important and it's counteractive to not sleep. And I do sleep. I do get my rest in. Um, and I do take breaks from alcohol and things like that to help recharge and reset. But for me, my time here on this earth is so finite. And going back to that whole death idea, like, you know, I, I had a very severe accident 10 years ago this year where I nearly died. Mm. Mm. broke my spine and had like this whole, like, you know, real intense recovery process where I was flat on my back in bed for three months. And, and couldn't sit up or roll over or anything was just literally flat in bed staring at the ceiling while the, the fractures healed and that time just gave me so much kind of reflective self-discovery time to realize like what i want out of this life why i'm here what i want to do and as shallow as it might sound i think maybe it might sound shallow to somebody who doesn't know me or it's misconstrued but I want to leave cool stuff behind when I'm gone. I want to leave a mark. I want to leave a dent. I want to touch people's lives in any way that I can. And so for me, every waking moment of life is about trying to do, as you say, this myriad of projects, whether it's writing, whether it's interviewing, whether it's hosting, whatever I can do to help, you know, elevate people's experience of life and inspire and entertain. Uh, that is my purpose on this earth, I believe. And what I get out of conversations like this and hosting monster truck shows and writing books and doing all the things that I do DJing it fills my soul with so much joy and and the relationships that have come from my work like I can't even imagine my life without the work that I do because all of my closest friends apart from you know my school friends and I've got a really solid group of old friends that I've always had but so much of my life is centered around my work and I just think like if I wasn't doing what I'm doing what the hell would I be doing would I be fulfilled I don't know I mean I I would always find something but I just, I love what I do so much. And so for me, it never feels like work, even if I'm always working and always hustling. The only thing I change, Darren, is have a slightly better income and a little bit more financial security. That for me, I was having a conversation with a friend the other night. It's the only thing in my life which isn't quite completely in sync. Everything else, I feel so content and at peace and fulfilled and happy. And like, I just feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be in my life in every way, apart from my bank balance once i can get that sorted and i'm not looking to be rich just you know secure ish but that's the well, struggle you know, for all of us now isn't it two things i can see where you get the energy to do all the things you do over your left shoulder it looks like you have a cappuccino machine that's my housemates he's the coffee nut i don't actually drink coffee really at all i'm like a herbal tea guy i used to drink coffee but i did a breakfast show for a year on on uh, a station in the uk which is now defunct and I would wake up at five every day and by 10 a.m. I'd be on like my fourth cup and I'd be like. Eh, eh, eh. And so now I, I pretty much abstain from caffeine. Um, yeah. So that is not the secret. OK. It looked like it was your secret. Though. But yeah, it, but it's, know, a, it's a real setup. That is it's a proper like, you know, cappuccino, espresso. It does it. All. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway. Like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Do you know who is a, a coffee junkie? John Feldman. John motherfucking Felton. Yep. <laughs> that guy knows more about coffee than anybody I've ever met. He knows a lot about a lot of things, but he knows his coffee and he loves his coffee. Well, he's, I mean, me and John are nothing alike, but the one thing I think we share is that relentless drive. You know, he is one of the most productive and, you know, oh, in, yeah. he's insane. I think he'd say it as well, but he, his he's work always been like that, Matt. He's really? always been like that. Like if he wrote a great song, and John wrote so many great songs. He would he would wait early on in the girlfriend. He would hand me a cassette tape. As a matter of fact, I got this. But just love it. Golfing a demo for the benefit hard of to find listening. These. My old girlfriend said, Do you want it? I'm like, yeah. So she mailed it to me. Hard to find that. Uh, John would write these great songs like Anxiety and Answers and and you know. My, mind's eye and, and you know the songs on the first record and he demo with them and, 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 and hey you want you know check out the song and i'm like holy fucking shit this song is like so good he's like oh it could be better i'll write a better one i'm like no it's really really good <laughs> uh, that's one thing about john is it's that i admired and still admire to this day and even though we've had some troubles over the last seven years uh and we don't really talk i have never once ever ever even when I was in the band and I hated him, never talk shit about John Feldman's ability to write a song, produce a song, write a record, make a record, write a melody, write a lyric. And there were times where I got resistance. Some band members who shall remain nameless were like, that song sucks, that lyric sucks, this melody sucks. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You suck. <laughs> we're lucky to have a guy like this that 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 shits awesome songs you know how hard it is to write a song it's fucking hard uh, you can't do it i can't do it it's fucking hard we have we, we're lucky to have this guy but but john is driven even to this day like it hasn't stopped and i don't think it's coffee i just think it's it's just the way he is i and think it served him well all the success that man has in his life he deserves every little bit of it i think it's something that i do share with him is a restless spirit and there's, you know, this is, it's intertwined with mental health issues and depression and those tendencies. But I definitely think he's one of those characters, if I can be so bold as to psychoanalyze him, is he's never satisfied or settled because he's got that restless brain. And I definitely oh, feel yeah. like I, I have that too. Like it's, it's not that it's greed because it's not that, but it's just like, it's never enough because there's always more to be done. There's always more to strive for, more to be attained, more to experience, more to do. Um, and yeah, it doesn't make for the most peaceful of existences, but I've found in recent years, particularly the last year that I've really settled into a place of, of peace talking about Goldfinger tunes as well. Carlita, these are two deep cuts that I've just recently rediscovered, fallen in love with, will be putting in DJ sets Carlita of hangups. And, uh, is it the fucking, the city with two faces or the two face city of the That's first fuck LA. Fuck LA. Well, we called it fuck LA, but it- the title was The City with Two Faces. Yeah, those two tunes, man, are going to be going in some of my in-between band tour, like scar-orientated kind of sets. That's cool. They're, they're both such great Goldfinger deep cuts that you never hear anywhere. Well, it's it's, it's funny. That's that's like a pretty punk rock song, you know, this, The City with Two Faces. It's pretty fast. Yeah. But it's got that jazz middle part, the fake jazz middle part that we did, and and that's this, just the brilliance of John. That's the brilliance of John. Like he, he would write a punk rock song with a crazy punk rock riff and some really great melodies and great lyrics. And just like that, flip it to jazz. And then we break down back into the punk rock. Uh, it just never ceased to amaze me what how that man could just write. And I think that's why we got along early, I, I think, uh, is because I was 
I was topper heading to John's Joe's drummer. If John wrote a ska song, I had a ska beat. I knew ska. I liked the specials. I liked the police. If you're a punk, obviously I like punk. I like hardcore and metal. And, and if you write metal, I got metal. You, you like reggae? I like reggae. I know the one drop. But I know how to play like, you know, like uh, P- Peter Tosh and Bob Marley stuff. But uh, so there, I, he, no matter what he threw at me, I was able to to play something on, to play some, lay it down. And move on and be able be able to record, but uh, yeah, those are great tracks. Carlita's one I haven't heard in a long time. I believe it's the, I believe it's the. Is it the first song off the record? No, it's midway in the album, but it's just it's cool. It might as be the fuck, first man. song on the second side. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, it's just got a really unique groove to it. And again, like I'm always searching for songs that you never hear out because at this stage, having toured with all of those ska bands a dozen times over, and you know, if you're on a bill as I often am with a lot of those ska bands and you're trying to find other ska songs to fill the changeovers you've played all the songs you've heard them all so i'm always searching for like those deep cuts that rarely get outed and those two i was like because i was you know revisiting goldfinger in the lead up to this chat and taking myself down memory lane because for me goldfinger and you know so many people in my age group had the same experience and there's obviously this clip doing the rounds at the moment of Tony Hawk joining the band on stage, mm-hmm. which is a lovely full circle moment. It's you know a shame you weren't there for that, but I'm sure again that time will come. And you got all those skater friends from the cruises. Well, anyway. I actually went to Tony's skateboarding park at his house, his office, Bert, his birdhouse offices, and I interviewed him for my podcast a couple of years ago. We did a, a two hour podcast, and I was able to skate skate with him the rest of the day. Amazing. I mean, that for me there's a few connections like that that have come from me doing my show and it's why I do it. You know, it's so fulfilling on a whole other level. Cause you know, I think you're the same as me. You're a lifer. Like you fall into this thing when you're young and it's, it's defined who I am as an adult now still to this day. And the, the full circle moments that have come about from doing these in, you know, interviews and conversations, are, you know, there's always a new thing. Like I just earlier today got an email from Harley Flanagan asking for like my advice on something. And I'm like, what is my life? <laughs> what the hell's going on it's insane but um yeah going back to the original point like obviously that game was huge but for me it was just scar like i I fell into metal first because new metal was what was huge at the time but i found much more of a a direct identity connection with that third wave mid-90s scar movement because it was celebratory good time music and i was having a hard time at home and i i didn't want any more darkness in my life i think you kind of go one or two ways when you're a teenager you either lean into the darkness and there was bands like corn and coal chamber and you know deftones to some extent machine head there were those dark angry bands there but for me i heard rancid and no effects and goldfinger and real big fish and less than jake and pennywise and that's where i went because i wanted to uplift myself and you know just have a good time yeah, I've always wanted to ask you about your your podcast, Life in the Stocks, and and how you what's your process of of because your 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 guest list, like the list of celebrities and musicians and people you've had on your show, is really impressive. What's your process? How do you reel these guys in? I think I got lucky early on with the help of a few key people. Like I'd been interviewing for years before the show, so obviously you have that groundwork in the craft and you know how to hold the conversation, and so. All of that was taken care of already. It wasn't like I was learning. Because some podcasts, you do go back and listen to episode one, and they're really sketchy early on because people <laughs> people are finding their feet. But luckily, my first episode was with Steve-O from Jackass, and you know, he could not have been a greater guest to launch the show with, but I was already established as an interviewer by that point. So there was that. But it's also when I came to launch the show, I had these connections and relationships from doing radio with Kerrang! and I was doing mm-hmm. Scuzz TV at the time here in the UK. And so I just, I I mean, at this stage, I, I know how to get to almost everybody that I want to get to. It's just a case of whether or not they'll say yes. And my yeah. philosophy in life has always been, if you don't ask, you don't get. And oh, I worst, love that saying. The worst thing ask. they can say is no. And if they say no, that's fine, but at least you tried. And for me, dude, and this will lead on to hopefully a, a wonderful story, which I do hope you'll share, but episode 10, for me was John Lydon and that episode changed the course of the podcast story because what that did is it opened so many doors for other artists because whatever people want to say in the press or casual fans that have turned on him like John Lydon has enough enemies 
in the world now. But one thing he remains and will always remain is an artist's artist. And all the artists that are worth a damn, in my opinion, look up to John Steele as one of the holy grail, influential, radical, revolutionary songwriters, cultural figures, everything. So I got John on on episode 10 very early on, thanks to a beautiful and wonderful man called Tony Cook. He works for Screen Promotions and he always had my back since day one and he he got to work on a pill campaign and he was like, oh, Matt, I've seen you doing this podcast. Would you be interested in talking to John Lydon? I was like, are you fucking shitting me? Like that's, <laughs> that's dream guest material right there. And so I had him on episode 10. And then from then, you know, whether it was Mina Caputo from Life of Agony or Alan McGee, who signed and managed Oasis or, you know, Harley, Fla- whoever it was, they all went, oh, you've had John on respect like this guy's legit and that opened so many doors so that was a real a game yeah, changer. Mine was Tony Hawk. after i got tony hawk on people were like you talked to tony right on cool i'm in where do i sign so john yeah. lydon you had an encounter with him right back in the day when goldfinger played with the pistols we did a tour with the pistols early on the filthy lucre tour their first crack at getting back together and glenn matlock on bass and and uh yeah shows were kind of eh we weren't really the fans didn't like us and we were like oh, but we were just like so pumped to be on tour with this legendary band and so we did a thing in seattle called bumper shoot this big radio festival in a, in a in a soccer stadium and a bunch of bands and then mxpx goldfinger sex pistols well, so i've heard by- bits of this story from mike when he was on my show but not the real gem somebody somehow was able to get glass bottles into the venue and CD jewel cases, which you do not arm a large audience with, <laughs> let alone an SPS get pummeled. They, they plow through their set. Out comes the, the promoter of the radio DJ program director guy and goes, Hey, we're up. Sex Pistols are coming up. But right now, a hot band out of LA called Goldfinger. Don't throw anything at them. First song, John gets hit in the face with a CD case. Stops the song, pulls the guy on stage. He goes, one of my mom said, don't smoke pot. All I wanted to do was smoke pot. So you're going to stand here and you're going to see what it feels like to have the crowd throw shit at you. Come on, people. And it was raining blood. Glass and CDs. And the guy, you know, had a, a good sense of humor. He took it. And then the rest of the show, nothing. Not one more thing came our way. But the Sex Pistols equipment took a beating <laughs> behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So our bass player, Simon, who I mentioned earlier, was he's from New Zealand. And we were going up to Vancouver and then going from Vancouver to Auckland, Auckland and uh, Australia, all over Australia, and then up to Japan. And he was like feeling like a hero, bringing like the Sex Pistols back home with him with his band Goldfinger. And I go to the dressing room and he's he's, he's visibly upset. Let's put it that way. He's, he's not, he's really, really, really upset. And I'm like, what's wrong? What's going on? He goes, we're kicked off the tour. What do you mean we're kicked off the tour? He's like, I went to apologize to the Sex Pistols about their equipment. And Johnny walked up to me and said, you guys think you're punk. You're not fucking punk. Fuck you. You're off the tour. Turns out nothing got damaged, but he did offer to pay for anything that was damaged. So I'm like, you motherfucker. So in between Goldfinger and Sex Pistols, and it's a a big backstage area. All the trailers are kind of nearby each other. And I wheeze on my way into the dressing room. Again, I get close to Johnny. And I go, you have some nerve, like, coming down on my bass player who will try to apologize and offer to fix your equipment, which, by the way, is fine. And he goes, and he's like, who the fuck are you? Look me up and down. And I go, I'm the drummer of Goldfinger. He's like, oh, yeah, right, that band, that, that punk band, Goldfinger. And, he, and I, go, I go, fuck you. And he goes, fuck you. And we're, and we're just getting ready to exchange blows. And the 300-pound Samoan bodyguard stepped in with his arm, which is the size of my body, and said, no, I can't let you, Darren. And Johnny's trying to get through to him, like, I'll kick it, I'll eat his soul. Ah! And I looked at him and I go, fuck you. You think you're punk? You got this guy. Huh? Who's punk now, punk? With a, with, a, with a bodyguard. And he's getting red like a lobster. And, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. They go on stage and me and Simon break into their dressing room. And just take the piss. We piss on everything. We flip their tables. We smash their TVs. We didn't steal anything. There was wallets, watches, and computers. We left everything alone. But anything that could be pissed on, we pissed on. 
and just threw food everywhere and mustard and it was just a mess. We go back to the hotel. We're off the tour. We don't we don't see Charlie and John. We're not sure where they are. Chase and Tail, probably mm-hmm. most likely they were single. <laughs> we get into the uh, hotel the next morning. Band meeting with management. <clears throat> and me and Simon are like, oh fuck, because we were drunk. We got drunk too. We're like we we're like let's get fucked up. Um, manager's like, oh, so what happened last night? We're like, oh, well, yeah, we got kicked off the tour. Yeah, well, what happened? Like, we told the whole story. We're like, we, I pissed on their shit, and we broke into the dressing room, and me and Johnny Line almost got into a fight. And they're like, we didn't hear about that. All we heard was something went down. You were kicked off the tour, and then an hour later, you're back on the tour. So get in the van and drive to Vancouver. So we get into the van, and John and Tori are like, you pissed on all the Sex Pistols stuff? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> so the rest of the tour, we were instructed to not even look at Tommy Light. Now, what I want to know is this, because first of all, that is the funniest and greatest shit ever. You know, there's not many people in this world can say that they've trashed the Sex Pistols dressing room and pissed on their shit. But what I would love to know, do you even know, is that exact act of vandalism what got you back on the tour? Were they like, oh, these guys are actually pretty punk. Let's get them back on. Because you would think that that would burn all bridges and erase any opportunity of reconciliation. But somehow, some way, it had the opposite effect. Now that I know the business, I I don't think so. I like to think that they were like, oh, respect for the punkers, Goldfinger, for doing what they did. I think it was management and the agents, plural, the money, you know, the promoters in Australia, New Zealand, and Japan, and Europe, and Canada, that, that really wanted Goldfinger to open up and, uh, is, I think it was, is Superman I, out there and doing the rounds at this time? Like, are you a hot commodity as a band? No, this is the first record. Right, so this is 96 on that that tour, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think it was more diplomatic than it was punk. But I did see Johnny at the uh, at the premiere of the punk four-part punk series that Iggy Pop did with Epic TV. Mm-hmm. Where he laid into said, Marky Ramone on stage, yeah. That's right. That was an epic moment. I saw the whole thing go down. It was so good. But, but I saw Johnny afterward and I finally slithered my way to him and said, Hey, I'm Darren. I'm drummer of Goldfinger. Do you remember the filthy lucrature? And he's like, Oh my God. And he gives me a hug. And he's like, You guys were excellent. Excellent, mate. I oh, how you been? How was how's things? How's the missus? And I, I wanted so bad to like rekindle the fight. But I was like, my heart kind of melted and I was like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> He's a total sweetheart, man. He's one of those people. And I've met a few he of them th- through doing my show. Very vilified and misunderstood. But, you know, and he, he does say a lot of shit. He does talk a lot of trash. But he is a beautiful, sweet, kind hearted man deep down. And he is the real deal. And he's authentic and he's loyal. And he's he's an honorable man. He is. Yeah. So we had a nice talk and, and a hug. And he was telling me about his his family and his wife and the stuff he's going through and some, and some tears were shed, but he was, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't bring it to myself to remind him of what happened. I just I couldn't, think, I couldn't, I couldn't go there. I think you did the right thing. You know, I sometimes, wanted to, but sometimes you got to make that let call. It, <laughs> let it go. Let it go. They've just done public image limited have just entered the Eurovision song contest. You know, just when you thought John Lydon could not shock or confuse or bemuse people any further, he's entered into this. I don't know whether you know of it over there, but the Eurovision song contest is this, you know, it's a kind of like an X factor style competition that all countries enter. They have one representative from each country, write And perform an original song and, and pill have entered on behalf of Ireland to the next competition and the song that they've written is called Hawaii and it's John's tribute to his wife Nora and it's all to do with her condition and their love affair and it's one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful pieces of music and the, the whole sentiment behind it and you know he's like fuck the competition I think the competition's a complete farce I've done it and I've entered so I can see Nora's face when I perform that song for her on the show Oh, breaks your heart. Oh, wow. Now I I haven't heard it. Now I have to go listen. Yeah. There's, well, they just, as we talk now, they just released a brand new video for it today. So you can check that out, Hawaii. Um, but yeah, man, it'll make you cry. It's lovely. If you know the story and, uh, you know, I do, I do know the story. He he told me the whole story. That's what, that's why I said tears were shed. And, uh, we, we had a moment. It was actually me and Johnny had a, had a moment there at that, at that premiere. 
And that's why I just couldn't, I couldn't, Hey, remember when we almost kicked each other's ass? I, I was hugging him and it was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll let it go. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes um, you've got to read the room. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, yeah, he's just absolutely brilliant. And um, wow. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I'm going to check out that video now. Yeah, you got. So, how do you and Hetson connect? Because I know Hetson was in a band with Charlie for a bit as well. Black President. He was in Black President, and then he wasn't in Black President, and then he was in Bad Religion, and then he wasn't in Bad Religion, and and now he's got Circle Jerks going on strong, which is great. Uh, but me and Greg have always been friends be because Goldfinger and Bad Religion toured, and me and Greg connected on a hockey level. Right. That's it. He right. loves the Los Angeles Kings. I love hockey and the Los Angeles Kings and the Buffalo Sabres. And we just, we can talk, he knows hockey through and through. So do I, we go to King Thames all the time. We well, the last time Stan I saw you, you were off to a game with Greg right afterwards. Yeah. Yep. And we, we drag, sometimes we drag Stan Lee, which is a, a, a bit of a chore because he's always asking, what's icing? And why is there a whistle? And why aren't they fighting? That, that would be exactly me. So, so is he able to do that with his hand <laughs> a million questions but um it's it's a lot of fun but yeah me and greg uh and then he called me and said that they need a drummer and i was like oh, i'll play a couple shows with you guys he's like no i'd like be in the band and i'm like oh wow cool i'll get to be in a band with greg hetson and and um and steve soto so what and was I, the original lineup how did it how did it originally start was well Melvin way way way, way well? back in the day like we're talking 80s five not 85 95 90 95 96 right around that time it was greg it was um eric melvin and it was uh the bass player from l7 was jennifer finch and one and, and Derek o'brien i believe was playing drums too but uh it just started as a gag for fun and then five songs became 10 and 10 became 20 and then then they started to get offers like hey why don't you play th this venue tonight or next week, or we'll give you this much money. And they're like, oh, fuck it. We're not, we're not doing anything that night. And, and it kind of snowballed to what it became now. And now we're on every single punk rock bowling for the last show of the whole festival. We're on every single uh, flogging Molly salty dog cruise, which you'll be on later this year. Uh, you're, you've become a staple. We're a staple. And we're the last band of the night, every night. It's just, it's, it's so much fun. You've seen us play before you've sang, it's just so I, much. I haven't sang yet. I need to this year. I'm going to. I thought was, you I, did. I thought you came no, up. No, A did bodies three nights in a row. <laughs> and it That's got right. it got progressively worse throughout the week. And you kept saying, when are you going to come up? And I, the thing for me, Darren, is because I'd done such, if I can say so, I, I believe I can. I believe I'd done such a good job with the Q&A hosting and the DJ sets. I didn't want to then bomb by being shit a punk rock karaoke and kind of undo all the good work that I'd done. So I'm going to do one this year, but I'm going to, you know, choose wisely, not get too drunk beforehand and just not try and not suck. <laughs> well, look at our list and pick a song and then rehearse the shit out of it. Just, and then come up there just super prepared. There you go. Yeah. It kind the, of you know what? You know what, Matt, that's the hard part of the flogging Molly cruise for me. Cause I like to drink. The other guys are sober. I like to drink. And I got to watch what I drink throughout the course of the day because mm -hmm. I can't go up there and play drums annihilated. It's uh, John Bonham could do it. I don't know how, but I can't. Well, you're <laughs> also, dude, you're playing, you know, a wide catalog of songs. You're also, as I saw with AIDS case, you're picking up the slack. If they forget the words, you're back there singing along and carrying the tune as well. So there's a lot yeah. to do. And when you go on at midnight after an all day, all inclusive bar and you're stopping off on the islands and, I get it. The struggle's real. <laughs> Moderation. Yeah, so I have to take a break. I have to take several hour break, and and then maybe before I go on, I'll have I'll have one. But I, I can't go on. I can't play bomb. I don't know how. I don't know how guys play their instruments drunk. I just don't understand it. Did you party a lot on the road in Goldfinger? Like, wasn't John sober by the time he was eighteen? John was sober when I met him. Charlie was sober when I met him. Um, and they call me a normie. They're like, you, you can stop drinking whenever you want. You can take breaks or you can shut yourself off. They've watched me stop drinking and they're amazed by it. They're like, how can you just stop like that? I'm like, because if I have a couple more drinks, I'm going to have the room spins and I'm probably going to puke and I don't want to feel that way. And they're like, how does he do it? So um, it, it, I don't have that gear, but but yeah, they, they've, they've been sober and they take it seriously. And, 
And especially in John's case, it, 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 he loves it. And it's part of his life. It's part of his makeup. And, and, and it saved, it saved the man's life. Really being sober has saved that man's life. So, and it works. The program does work. And Greg's, if, if you, Greg's a sober dude as well, isn't he? Yeah. Everybody in punk rock karaoke is sober. Like every band I've ever been in is sober guys. <laughs> Brilliant. Even the fun punk rock. Yeah. Karaoke busman's holiday band is, is also full sober but i guess you know i mean are you a nightmare drunk i am occasionally no i'm a fun drunk I, when You're i good. when i do get drunk which is not that often anymore i just want to tell jokes i want to tell i want to tell funny stories i want to be the jokester in the room you know i want to make faces and be the life of the party uh, but i i do know that certain people are, are a certain way some people get really bad some people get angry some people get funny i'm the funny guy funny drunk but yeah you just never know what you're going to get with from one person to the next when you when you bring alcohol into the mix yeah it's wild i like taking big breaks but yeah i also like drinking it's a good time me too yeah it's fun have a glass of wine or two and <laughs> tell some stories and cheers with people so it's a it's it's it is fun so you're in a good place in your life right now like there isn't anything you would change or redo if given the chance there's no regrets or is there regrets right. Right now, no, no regrets. The Goldfinger stuff I've dealt with, and you know, in therapy, and uh, I, like I said, with the the legal thing with John, I I really wish I could go back in time and not do that. And for him and me both, like I I don't like that it's I did it. I don't like that I did that from an angry place. I wish I could take that back. I wish I could take back a lot of things I said about John and about Charlie and about. Um, it is what it is, but, but I've dealt with it. I've wrestled with the emotions and through therapy, I've, I'm a complete, I'm content with, with Goldfinger, uh, whether I uh, play another show with them ever again, uh, but I would like to somehow have us one day mend fences. And I do believe that day will come. I just don't know when, um, but I do believe it's coming. But as far as my life right now, my wife, my daughter, my job, my band, my bands, because I play in that August madness band, which is kind of electronic eighties trip trippy, Electro pop, so fun. I'm really happy. I'm in a good place. I got a ton of friends. I I, I got. A, I'm just really in a good place right now. I, I love. I love. Like John Feldman would say, I love my life. He's always yeah. saying that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do. I love my life. I'm happy. Where my wife's amazing. My job is so much fun. Uh, I get to do DJ gigs every now and again. Well, not as much as you, but I, I do do a, a few here and there. I get to record on people's records that call me and want real drums. I got a studio set up down the street. Uh, I get to take hour-long breaks and talk to you at work and get paid for it. <laughs> Even though I got I to gotta get back to work in a minute. But Well, dude, I just want to say uh, seeing you out in LA, like, you know, we've hung out a few times, but generally at slam dunk or on the cruise or always in a a quote unquote and i'll use the quote unquote work environment where we're at a music show or festival and that's a joy but seeing you out in la just both of us off the clock truly hanging out truly connecting sharing drinks sharing really deep meaningful personal chats that was a, a lovely moment that i'll cherish and you know i love jeff so much our mutual friend jeff Fierre. we've got to shout jeff out he's been yeah. telling me for years to get you on the show and i'm glad that we kind of got to do this swap cast situation finally and yeah man i just want you to know that i'm grateful that we're friends and and i really enjoyed our time together out in la and i very much look forward to reconnecting with you on the boat in november if not before and anytime i'm in la i'll be looking you up and You'll have to take me to a hockey game with you and Greg. I won't know what the fuck's going on, but I'd like to come and experience the sport. It's really simple, man. <laughs> this is a puck. Yeah, get it in the fucking net. Put it in the net. That's it. That's the <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> now, cricket, don't even try to explain that to me. That's it. I, I wouldn't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> Cricket's complicated. Yeah, man. Big love, love to you, dude. It's been nice. I love you very much. You're a good friend. You're a good human. I'm glad we did the swap cast. By the way, I think you might have actually invented a new word. Swap cast. I've got to credit that to Doug Stanhope. He's I'll do player. yours. You do mine. We'll touch wieners. So it'll be great. <laughs> Just don't cross streams. Whatever you do. No, we've, cro <laughs> we've been crossing streams for an hour and it's been delightful. Yep. All right, buddy. I love you.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Fresh. 